The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo. So now we are going to get our next guest on the line and his name is Albert Fritz. He's the MEC for Community Safety. He works in the Western Cape Government. So um, he's essentially the guy, the top boss in the provincial government for um, community safety. Um, is he online? Good evening, MEC Fritz. Hi. How are you? Uh, good evening and good evening to all the listeners. And I'm not under the of a team, a member of you know, I'm just always part of a team. So I hope I'm not the top boss. I hope I'm just part of a team. <laughs> okay, okay, we understand you're part of a team. <laughs> Look, I think our conversations this evening have been very lit on fire. It's been on point. It's been happening here tonight on the radio. We have understood from the um, commission, you know, um, the gender commission, we've understood from Java over there, he's been telling us, look, this is what's the problem. You know, there's a backlog, um, forensic DNA sampling, according to you even, a decline in forensic DNA sampling threatens safety. Now, I want to refer to an article on, I want to refer to something that was published earlier um, this month, in fact. So the National Assembly's Portfolio Committee on Police uh, was debriefed by the National Forensic Oversight and Ethics Board, essentially the DNA Board, on the 2018-2019 annual report. The committee exposed numerous constraints which contribute towards the loss of critical leads in cases where serious offences are committed, such as rape and murder. And this article continues to say that the Minister of Community Safety, Albert Fritz, who is on the line now, of course, has noted the numerous constraints and calls on the Minister of Police, Behi Trele, and the Civilian Secretariat for Police services to urgently remedy this. So you essentially went to the to the, the police minister and you said, look, you need to sort this out. Like, something's oh. wrong here, you need to sort it out. So the DNA board is a sub-program, right, oh. of the, um, the Civilian Secretariat for Police Services. Yeah. Now, I mean, take us through this. What's happening at a national level and what's happening at a provincial level when it oh. comes to um, DNA testing? Mm. Let me just start off by saying, um, and I want to concur with the lady who just spoke before me, she's talking from a very technical point of view, and that our police and our detectives are really overloaded, they work very hard, they have sometimes up to 200 cases, um, you know, and case files and dockets that they have to deal with. So I need to just say that, so when we are, when we come from our oversight role, I hope it doesn't sound as negative, and just, um, but it's really just oversight. It's really saying um, a lot of the issues that were raised specifically in the kind of a portfolio committee meeting on the 13th of November, uh, where they specifically spoke around the decline in forensic, uh, you know, DNA sampling. Um, and it threatens the safety of our people. It threatens the ability to then get a proper conviction. So I will be talking from a, a, the pipeline from the criminal justice system, not the technical part, the part that um, contributes to um, a lot of the um, issues of decline. You saw that you spoke about the decline in the sampling. And so the, the, the board, the DNA board, um, you know, specifically also um, empowered in terms of Section 15E, uh, that empowers them to establish, administer, maintain a national forensic database, you know, a DNA database. And that is specifically to also do comparative searches. So when you, when you find, arrest someone for uh, allegedly um, having raped someone, and you take your sample, to be able to match that 
perhaps to some other cases because we've seen in serial rape cases how you can link um, that sample to uh, and it was a, a, a sample search you know where you can link it to other cases and what we have seen was that that um, you know the, the the almost the kind of challenges around the destruction the retention the collection the storage of DNA um, you know is, is really really a problem but it is um, specifically in terms of um, the, the whole issue of that there was a two-year um, transitional period that also existed for the board to do that, to set up the comparative um, database. And unfortunately, that expired. It was then suggested that we look at another ex- an amendment to extend it for two years, to make another two years to get that uh, database on. And then the board said, no, you know, this may be unconstitutional, maybe invading people's privacy and all of that. But in the end, you know, we have rights survivors who have, I think, far bigger constitutional rights that need to be protected, that when you have someone that you think is um, the suspect or the other person is a suspect, to be able just to compare um, the kind of data that you have on your database and the samples that you have on your database. But there are other issues. There are just practical issues also. One of the practical issues is that we saw that um, the, the procurement of simple swaps, you know, um, just to get swaps, to, to, just to procure that. We saw that as a, um, a where they, there was a big problem with just procuring swaps. There was a problem with um, just the whole way, um, you know, the board members doesn't attend board meetings. So I'm talking about what we have seen, um, just to, in fact, get this into the lab, just to get the sample to the lab, with the technical issues, where the lady spoke very extensively about the technical issues, but we say to the pipeline to do proper investigation at the crime scene, to secure the crime scene, take all the um, samples, we've seen that just to get it to the lab, that's um, um, the problem, and therefore the decline. A massive, massive decline. In fact, I think at one point it was from 75, you know, quarter 17, 18, right down to 12%. From 75% down to 12%. Now, I always remember the case of the young um, young girl of 14 in Heinz Park, um, who was, I uh, remember, raped, assaulted, and murdered. And, uh, and I, you know, I remember one of our MECs went to visit the house, and the the brick with the blood spattered on the brick, and and the panty, everything was still there, was still laying there. Um, this is what we're speaking to. Um, that is not collection kits, you know, evidence collection kits. That that is um, in in short supply. That the procurement of those very basic issues, the tools of trade. The voice of the Cape, ninety one point three FM stereo.
Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Online, we have Albert Fritz. He's the MEC for Community Safety at the Western Cape Government. Now, what we need to know is um, we just heard from the MEC that, you know, getting the basics right seems to be a problem when it comes to uh, forensic testing within our, um, our, our the system, the government, right? I mean, for example, he's saying um, procurement even of the basics like the swabs that are needed for, like, you know, taking a sample. That's even a problem. I mean, what is causing? that is it corruption is it because somebody wants to make money out of procuring the equipment no no i i i I think not to just jump to that i'll tell you why Um, i'm sorry but it's become so easy to jump to that with this government i'm really sorry yeah i i I will tell you how to how difficult it is to procure pen thank god your office is near like you know stationary shops <laughs> anyway, but I want to say two issues. I think uh, I think you point out two important issues, and maybe just first to say, uh, I think what was established was that it wasn't a procurement issue, um, and uh, you know uh, uh, the whole issue of that um, of the, the decline. Also, the registered cases. Now, if it's a registered case, it means not even be didn't even land at the lab. No, so, so I just want to first make that. And I think many times in terms of procurement, uh, we have seen many challenges. We use the word challenges instead of this. Uh, you know, I'm a guy who likes evidence-based stuff. Don't like to make accusations. But there are many, many uh, times evidence. But also um, sometimes the element of incompetence comes in. Um, and then and then I must, must also remind people there's this treasury regulation that says local content. You know, and local content um, and, and centralized procurement, specifically in big in departments like the police and big national departments, where everything must be procured from now. There's some, I might seem sometimes to centrally procure because um, the economy of scale gets cheaper, but many times that's where, unfortunately, the kind of dishonesty creeps in and it takes longer to get everything or anything. So I think that's the one element. But I think one other important component we must remember. And let's talk about the crime scene, from the crime scene to the, the lab, with that whole part like We have seen unfortunately, and remember there was a report from my department, the community safety department, of um, um, you know, the lack of training to detectives. Detectives that didn't even have, they had a basic police training, but they were then promoted as detectives and they had no detective training. And one of the proposals uh, that we made to the Minister of Police, and I want to say it was uh, a very constructive relationship. We're really now having a very, although they didn't invite me to the awards even the other night of the police, you know, I'm, I'm sure every other province the uh, MEC is invited, but anyway, we don't, we want to get a work done. We don't have time for all those referrals. The point I want to make is... <laughs> Yo, I that was quite a sidebar, but okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> but the point I want to make is we now offering to the National Department that we will give, starting for the first year, this financial year, and part of the new financial year, which is starting April, 50 extra well-trained um, investigators to the police because we've seen that as one big problem and in this province there are some seasoned police officers who will be able to train some of these new guys who are, who are coming as improper detectives investigators and so we've made that proposal i must say that the minister is quite 
excited about it. We've now, our legal people, the province legal people, the national legal people are sitting around the table and working out the absolute dynamics and mechanics of that. But that will contribute to this point of firstly securing um, the, 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 the crime scene, specifically when it comes to sexual abuse and murder, but also secondly that you must then have the tools of trade, you must then have the evidence collection kit to, you know, to be able to execute your work after you've been trained. So it is that kind of combination, unfortunately, and I hope we get it right because our people and um, rights survivors deserve that dignity to have a proper uh, case, um, you know, investigated and to have, the, and that you don't need to go call for a private um, investigator. Our state must be able to provide poor people to have top investigators too. Yeah. So look, I mean, we understand that policing, right, and the mm. police investigations, um, and that is, of course, where people would be doing, and correct me if at any point where I am wrong, mm. we understand that the policing and where these investigations, the DNA testing mm. and um, the forensic investigations, we understand this is all falling under our national government, right? Mm. And you are in the province, the MEC for community safety, which means that you would be having some form of interaction with our national police minister and this whole system, right? Yes, oversight, yeah. Oversight, yeah. So now under your oversight and under your watch, what is happening in terms of holding the police accountable? Because we have had seen a case of Jesse Hess. And we have seen um, a, a, a perpetrator, a man yeah. arrested for raping a 15-year-old girl in an overpark. And this man allegedly is the same man who raped and murdered Jesse Hess. Mm. And people are saying, well, where was the forensic investigation? Where was the evidence that should have been taken to essentially lead to some form of incarceration, arrest, whatever, detention of a person to prevent this person from going out and raping another woman. So, I mean, you are in the Western Cape government. You know, you have a conversation with the police minister. What's going on? This happened in our city. Let me just say, and I don't want to specifically discuss this case because remember this case is now in the court. There's a court, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the criminals are so clever they jump to the court and say, no, you know, the MEC said this on the radio. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want you to speak. Right? Yeah. And I want to yeah. discuss generally quickly. Yeah. I just want to talk um, just in general without mentioning, you know, specific cases. Uh, let me just say, I think one of the most interesting points that you raise, I think you raise a very, very important point, is that, um, you know, the one issue that we have come to the conclusion, and we're talking, we're now um, about, is it talking to, the Department of Correctional Services. And in fact, I've met the, the, uh, the, commission, the National Commission the other, it was about, a, well, I think a month ago in Johannesburg or Victoria. But the one issue that we're talking about, that those people coming out on, on parole, let's look at, this leave bail wanted, I'll come to bail now, but let's talk about those people. You've, you've been convicted of rape and you go to court. I'm oh, sorry, to court, you get a sentence, you get to prison for, say, let me just say, for eight, uh, 18 years, um, so you're supposed to get life, um, but sometimes there are circumstances and they give you a lesser sentence. You then serve half of that sentence, 50% of that sentence, and um, after you've served the minimum of that sentence required, you get in. You to be considered for parole, not to have a right to parole, to be considered. 
But just look on the other side quickly. The prisons are overcrowded. First thing as it seems. And so you have this person, and when it seems that they go to the parole, no one consults with the community to check, you know, whether, uh, isn't this person specifically sexual offenders? Isn't this person, I mean, in particular in that community, and everyone knows normally the poor are the characters who are menaces, and uh, the guys get released. We have seen a trend, a trend that the minute, if we can just monitor carefully, and, and I'm talking properly monitor, because the, that's what the parole board and the, the police, they call it the community corrections, are supposed to do. If you monitor them carefully, there will be half the crime rate in any province. If you just monitor properly your, your parolees, because many a times our real offenders are the people who commit these crimes. And I think that's the one issue. And, and I think this, this particular case you quoted is a typical example of that, um, where, you know, person come out of the for something else, Perhaps sometimes a lesser offense or other things, and you come out and you learn that prison culture and you come outside and you do some of the things to people you actually know quite well. That's the one. The other issue is more and more people are saying that we need to really get activism to um, people accused of any, you know, of anything but specifically sexual offenses and murder, to, but also where a person has a track record because you know, as a, a legally trained person, I'm a bit afraid to just say a blanket, um, you know, to no bail, a blanket, no bail. I would say, let us look at the case, individual case, and that's what the magistrate is doing. But I think too early and too quickly, when people have offended before, they are given bail. Out, and lo and behold, when they are on bail, they commit another crime. And I think um, that's where we need to just talk without interfering with the independence of the, of the judiciary, but we really need to sensitize the judiciary to really take the people, the community's um, um, interest into consideration. I think that's a big question. And then, of course... Um, I mean, the they should just do their jobs. It's that yeah, simple. Yeah. They yeah. employ to do their job, do their forensic investigation, put criminals behind bars. Um, it's not asking people a lot, actually. Yeah, no, that's the that's the point. But I think, as the lady indicated earlier, um, you know, on the show, um, first get a sample to the, you know, to the lab, um, and it seems as if, and when it gets to the lab, I mean, some, as I, we said that in uh, the portfolio on the 13th of November, they indicated that um, there was such a huge decline from 75 to 12 um, of samples going to the lab, and that was directly um, ascribed to. The fact that procurement, there was a procurement breakdown, and you may be right. Perhaps once, you know, we, we don't do that investigation, but we look at the specific, um, whether there's any kind of dishonest, why was the procurement not done? Yeah. Um, and, you know, those are some of the questions that mm-hmm. one asks. So, Missy Fritz, um, any closing remarks from your side? Because we now need to wrap yeah. up the show. I think we, um, specifically in the, uh, you know, the normal stuff, Okay, the 60 day of activism. We've decided this year as the Western Cape government that we're not going to, we're going to have a couple of events in the 60 day of activism. But on the 11th, the Minister of Social Development is actually going to launch a huge gender based violence, anti gender based violence campaign on the 11th. Now, remember on the 10th, it's so, it ends, then it almost is saying, oh no, the, the 60 days over, we cannot violate women again, we can do a, so we're starting to launch the 365 days of activism against um, violence against women and children. So 
um, I think we also asking, um, you know, that from a policing point of view, whether interdicts are properly, um, you know, this, uh, when a person violates that he be arrested, that they don't play with him. That the police, and that's what we are busy with at all police stations, to look at centralization of police to really let a, when a woman has a protection order that she's protected by that order. That doesn't mean something. And I think uh, that's why we will make, you know, instead of just having events and everyone come and we all talk, but to practically, to get the instance that the forensic services right, practically, that's far more valuable than having an event and everyone talks and we all say this and that. And, you know, and big budgets wasted and spent um, instead of getting the practical stuff right. Buy swaps with the money, buy investigation kits, you know, um, and get it so that train officers mm-hmm. so that we can practically impact on the situation. Yeah. Okay, Albert Fritz, he's the MEC for Community Safety. We want to thank you for taking time out from your evening to join us on Voice of the Cape and speak to our listeners. Thank you very much for your time. It's always great to talk to you guys. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yeah. So from myself, Yazid in that concludes this evening's episode, or rather um, edition <laughs> episode. Watching too much. I don't even watch TV. Why am I using the word episode? That concludes this evening's program of Burning Issue. I'll be back next week, inshallah. All the best for the rest of your evening with Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.